And we're rolling. Welcome to Ball and Roll's brand new podcast, Pick and Pod. My name is Rich Burfer, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Kevin Kacheri and Ogie Oros. And we're coming at you every single Tuesday for your listening pleasure. But first, before we discuss everything going on in basketball, the all-star game, injuries, whatever the hell is happening with Carmelo Anthony, let's do some quick introductions. How's it going, guys? What's up, man? Oh, man, pretty good. You know, living up in the north, so enjoying ball, enjoying hockey. It's a good life. We don't watch any hockey, dude. <laughs> man, you got to rep it up, though, if you're up in the north. <laughs> any, dude, we've, I haven't seen a single hockey game <laughs> this entire year. Ogie, how are you doing, dude? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Excited to get Pick and Pot going. Uh, it's an exciting time of year. All-star break coming up. Playoff picture is starting to heat up. Looking forward to chatting basketball. Do you watch any hockey? Uh, here and there. Here and there, but far less than the NBA. That's good. We're never going to mention hockey ever again on this podcast. Okay, let's go. So <laughs> before we get going, before we start talking about, we have a lot. First of all, we got a lot planned for this first episode. We're going to talk some Raptors. We're going to talk some All-Star. We're going to talk about Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol, Memphis Grizzlies, Carmelo Anthony. But first off, a few intros. Tell me about, about yourself, guys. Ogie, we'll start off with you. Who are you? What do you do? Let the people know. Sure. So I come from what somewhat of a unique background. I went to school for uh, international relations, spent some time working overseas with the government of Canada. Uh, but aside from that, my passion has always been basketball, uh, the NBA, college basketball, even follow European basketball, international, everything. Uh, really a passion. Uh, aside from following it intently, I also bet on it. Uh, really into sports handicapping, especially the NBA. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, background is sort of in government, but my passion has always been the NBA know it inside out, love chatting about it. And uh, like I said, looking forward to talking to you guys, going over various topics and, and you know, getting pick and pod going here. First episode of many, I hope. There we go, man. How much money have you been losing on gambling on sports? Because uh, I know Kevin and I, we've lost a lot. Like, yeah, I'm waiting for my OSAP yeah, to come. Yeah, you know, <laughs> peak, peak, peaks, and, peaks and valleys, you know, peaks and valleys. There's good times, there's bad times. What can there you do? we go. Yeah, can never get to up, can never get to down. Yo, Kevin, tell us, who are you, man? All right, so I'm just an Indian kid who grew up in Canada, so always wanted to be a basketball player, but my genetics kind of limited me to do so. So I thought I'd be either a doctor or a pharmacist, just stick with the stereotype. Uh, but other than that, love the game. Chicago Bulls, still the day I die. It's a tough time being a fan of Chicago Bulls right now, but still, I'll roll with them till the end. There um, we go. Yeah. But, um, and... As well, me, I'm Rich Burfer. Um, I'm a grad student at Brock University. I do a lot of baseball stuff. I've also been working for Ball and Roll for the past couple of years. If you guys don't know, you have to follow Ball and Roll on Twitter, follow Ball and Roll on Instagram, Facebook, and as well, check out our, our Ball, and, Ball and Roll gear shop at shop.ballandroll.com. Great content, great shirts. Check us out. Um, as well, do a lot of baseball stuff. Like I said, I have my own podcast uh, for baseball called Pitching to Contact. Check it out. And really, let's get let's get right into this, guys. Um, I don't care about uh, Kevin and his Chicago Bulls. We'll talk some <laughs> Raptors right off the bat. Uh, Ogie, how do, what are your feelings on this Raptor team right now? They're resting uh, Kawhi Leonard a lot. Kyle Lowry seems like he's a little hurt. Pascal Siakam is the greatest player in the NBA. What do you think, man? Well, look, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Raptors fan. Uh, the Raptors are 36-14. and 14. They have the second-best record in the NBA. 
uh, best record for a long time. The Bucks have been playing pretty well lately, but you know they're right there. And at 36 and 14, I mean, realistically, coming into the season, there were a lot of doubts. I mean, Nick Nurse has absolutely had no coaching experience whatsoever. Kawhi played nine games last year. Uh, you know, you're losing DeRozan. Lowry's getting up there in age. You didn't really bring in any impact. You didn't really bring in any impact free agents. So, I think in the beginning of what's that? Well, here's the here's the thing. When you say Nick Nurse has no coaching experience whatsoever, like I value what what happened internet what he's done internationally. Um, I think Nick Nurse is a great offensive mind, and I think Nick Nurse for a rookie head coach has had an ins- incredibly successful year as is. Like, um, oh, he's been yes. Yeah. He's been fabulous. He's he's arguably a coach of the year candidate. Oh no, I completely agree. Like Ooh, I don't agree with that 100%. No, I because I think like looking at the Raptors, the difference from a big difference that I think from last year and this year is how Nick Nurse has figured out how to best utilize Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas. Like I think that is just so huge because last year the the Raptors have just been trying to pair them up on the same on the same lineup in the same lineup and we know what the NBA is all about. It's all about sh- uh, shooting and spacing. And when you have a guy like Serge Ibaka and JV on the same on this on the court at the same time, it just clogs up the lane. It doesn't let shooters be effective. And what I really think the difference maker between last year's Raptors and this year's Raptors is like there's so much more spacing. And while I still think the Raptors need more shooting help, I really think that like what. Nick Nurse has done with Serge Ibaka and JV has literally changed this team. What do you think, Kevin? Um, so Nick Nurse is a decent coach. He has pretty good credentials. He's been coaching since 89. So he has experience in the field. Uh, You're so Indian, man. This guy's <laughs> going to be a doctor. Yo, you know what? But at the same time, um, just a- adding Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, that just changed your team completely. And switching Kawhi uh, and DeRozan, that- that's what helped you push over the, bu- uh, the hump over there. I don't think it's necessarily Nick Nick Nurse. When you look at coaching greatness, it's uh, Greg Popovich, uh, Doc Rivers, uh, guys like Brad Stevens. There's coaching there. Mm-hmm. But when you have a team like this, you don't really have to coach. You just no, no, that's guys. no. You can't you can't really say that easily. I could say that. <laughs> what 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 do you think about that statement, Nogi? About the Nick. Well, I mean, look, coaching coaching is important. Uh, look at the success that Greg Popovich has had over the past twenty years. Right, he's had. You know, they haven't had All-Stars every year, right? There's been some turbulence. There's been some up and downs. But he's managed to get them to the playoffs, you know, every single year. Now, granted, not every coach is Greg Popovich. But I think Nick Nurse has, has done a great job so far. And and just to sort of go back, I mean, yeah, Ibaka's playing great. And I, the reason this Raptors team has me maybe more excited this year than in past years is the steps that these role players have taken this year, seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, you know, Kawhi is Kawhi. But look at what Pascal Siakam has done. Serge Ibaka is playing arguably the best basketball of his career. Fred Van Fleet is is more reliable than ever. You know, he's 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 a guy whose uh, hands you want the ball in. You know, coming down uh, in the clutch. So as good as you know Kawhi's been, as good as Nick Nurse's system has been, and you know it's allowed Serge to thrive. It's allowed for more spacing, absolutely. But I think it's, it's the story of the season so far has to be these role players, namely Siakam, Van Fleet, Ibaka, even Green. You know, being reliable. And, in, you know, in many cases, taking that next step, I think that's what's really propelled this team to having the second-best record in the NBA so far. Yeah, and I think, moreover, 
I think last year's Raptors team and the Raptor teams of the last three, four years have been winning in the regular season on just talent alone, right? But right now, just watching this Raptors team, I think they, I think Nick Nurse understands how to best utilize this roster. I think he does. Yeah. I think he doesn't a lot to like improve the spacing. Like the Raptors are shooting a ton of threes. They're getting good opportunities. Like they're not a good three point shooting team by any means, but the fact is he's he's helped this team create more opportunities off- offensively. So now say you get into the playoffs and the Raptors will. I think it's gonna, like they're going to be better prepared this year because now they're not just going in as a very talented team. The fact is you go into the playoffs, every single team is talented to an extent. And yeah, once you get through round one, when you play the whatever, uh, 40, 41 and, and 41 team, now you're starting to play like the Cleveland Cavaliers of last year, the Boston Celtics, the, Phil, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, right? At that point, like you need coaching, you need spacing, you need shooting, you need clutch defense. It's not just town that's going to push you um, to the next round. Because like, uh, for example, Tom um, Davis has never really been uh, – a, a widely known NBA player, but something he, he might be a legend <laughs> to some. Legend. <laughs> but there's something he said a couple years ago on a radio show that kind of intrigued me. Before a regular season game, the scouting reports that players are given is very, very thin. It's like a couple of pages. Before an NBA playoff series, these guys get books, like literal booklets of scouting reports. So when an, when a, a Raptor enters the, enters the playoff. And there's zero spacing and DeMar DeRozan's kind of like stopping the ball from moving and there's no action. It's so easy to defend. Like teams prepare for this and they know how to counter that. I think the Raptors now, there's un- they're, they're more unpredictable. There's more spacing. And I think this Raptor team can, as, as built right now, can make the finals. What do you think, Kevin? Um, so... Th- I mean, I, I agree. Raptors are have one of the best teams in the league right now. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're ranked number two right now behind uh, the Milwaukee is is not mm-hmm. that great. Just because uh, Milwaukee, I don't think, has that great of a roster to be in that position. <sighs> but they have the best player. They have Wanted Tacumpo. I totally agree. But that's somebody who also limits range as well. Mm-hmm. So you can really limit his game quite, quite a lot. But I think Raptors need something else in order for them to be in the finals. They need another play. They need to make a trade. Someone mm-hmm. like Beal, or even if they have to bring in Mike Conley, mm-hmm. whatever it is, just do that just to push them over the hump. Mm-hmm. So, Ogie, that being said, do you think this Raptor team needs to make a move to really compete in the playoffs? Or do you think that they can compete at this? Because like we know, they've already swept the Golden State Warriors in the regular season. I mean, that doesn't really mean much. The Golden State Warriors were <laughs> yeah. one, maybe not caring as much as they should have. And another, they were playing without half their roster. So... What do you think Masai does? Do you think something something has to be done here? Well, look, that's that's an interesting question because let's remember, the Raptors are de facto going to be getting an upgrade soon, and that's Jonas Valanciunas. That's the team's best rebounder. That's their most reliable inside presence. So as well as they've been playing lately, it has been with LJV, and they will be getting him. Granted, that doesn't solve the shooting issues, but you know, don't sleep on the impact that JV could have, especially with that second unit. Uh, now, in terms of what the Raptors need to do, look, uh, yeah, it's, it's no secret. They need shooting. Um, the the CJ Miles of old would fit in perfectly with this roster right now. He's, he's a, all he basically does is threes. That's his niche, right? That's what he's been making his living off of. But he's been unreliable. Um, 
Norman Powell, right, from the outside, he's not all that reliable, neither is DeLon Wright. So looking at, you know, what moves can be made, the Wizards have said that they're going to take Beal off of the block, uh, trading block, that is. And, I mean, even even if they were willing to deal him, I think the Lakers and the Celtics could put together, you know, far more appealing uh, packages than the Raptors can. I think the Raptors should target, you know, somebody, you know, in the, in the middle tier, somebody like Tim Hardaway uh, from the Knicks, who they made available today. Good shooting guard, lengthy defender, um, excels from the three-point line. I, I think, you know, he does have somewhat of a uh, extensive contract, but yeah, that's the thing. Nowhere near, nowhere near. But I mean, that's the sort of you know profile of a player they need. Kent Bazemore is available. Wayne Ellington is available. Cheaper, you know, alternatives just to get some spacing and shooting in there. Yeah, and uh, even a guy like Courtney Lee is apparently available right now, and. While JV, like you said, JV doesn't really help the Raptors with with their shooting. But what I really liked about what Nick Nurse did early on in the season is he played the matchups. And I'm all for forward thinking coaches, forward thinking organization. I hate the analogy that a starting lineup should be set for a season, right? Like for example, one thing with Dwayne Casey that I just didn't really like is why would you start JV? in a playoff series against the Cleveland Cavaliers where uh, when um, Kevin Loves is just going to pull JV outside and, and try to shoot threes and when over. You're, and when you're getting shredded in the pick and roll every single possession and you're still continuously leaving him in, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Why do you keep rolling with that? Like, I, this is why I really like Nick Nurse because he understands that, t- if, that starting lineups can be flexible. If DeAndre Jordan is starting for the Dallas Mavericks, sure. Put JV in, in the lineup because you need that quality. You need that interior presence. But say you have like Kevin Love starting at the five, like you got to start Serge Ibaka, right? Like th- that's something I just really, really like. And that's why Ra- the Raptors have been struggling lately against those interior guys. Uh, but to just comment on shooting and to comment on CJ Miles, um, CJ Miles hasn't. But if you look at who he plays with, you mentioned Dylan Wright. OG Ananobi, Norman Powell, they're not good shooters. They're not going to space the floor. The only shooter on that second unit is CJ Miles. And if we look at the shots that guy takes, they're they're horrible shots. That's the type of shots that the best player in a rec league at the YMCA takes because he doesn't want to pass the ball to anybody. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. If the Raptors get another shooter, like let's pretend Bradley Beal was an option, which honestly, like I can dream about it, but – Salary wise, I just can't picture it happening. And like you said, he's off the trade block. But say you get a guy like Courtney Lee, and you can plug him into the starting in, into the second unit. Now you have some more spacing, right? And that will allow somebody like CJ Miles to have better shots. Because if CJ Miles doesn't have better shots, he's going to miss a lot of shots. And if he misses shots, why is he on the court? Because he can't defend. He can't really do much of anything else. Correct. So I think the Raptors need a shooter, and I don't think they need much. Maybe just one shooter just to space the floor for the second unit to just add more shooting versatility. Um, because right now, with a guy, like I like Dellen Wright. I like what he offers on the defensive end. He's long. He can attack the paint. But I think the, the, a three-point shot is going to be better than a two-point two point shot, like an up and under, right? So I think the Raptors really need shooting. And like you said, Tim Hardaway, the contract's eh. But a guy like Courtney Lee, maybe a guy on an expiring contract. I think that's a valuable Wayne, trade. Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington is, is really the, the one that sort of catches my eye. He hasn't been playing much this year, but last year he was great. And then, like I said, threes are, threes are his things. He's cheap. It wouldn't take much to get him. 
Yeah, I love it. I I would be all for Wayne Ellington. We're just looking up his contract real quick. Yeah, dude. That's easy. Yeah, that's an expiring contract. Let's do it. Honestly, that's that's the best pick Yo, right now. <laughs> get Masai on the phone right now. We got to talk to him. But and <laughs> Miami, they gave up outrageous contracts left, right, center. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave that guy like close to 15, 16 million next year. So what what's kind of, what what do the Raptors have to give up for something like that? That's the question now. Like obviously you can't you can't take away from a strength to add to fix a uh, fix a weakness, right? I don't agree with that. The Raptors need to keep like the guys together. I mean, do you do you give up another draft pick? Um, I think they have. Uh, I mean, cash considerations. That's a big thing um, <laughs> lately on the trade market. You got to give up cash consideration all, always. Um, I also think they have trade exceptions as well. For I think Bruno Caboclo has a trade exception. Um, so w- what do you guys think? Let's Kevin. What's, let's start with you. What can the Raptors give up right now? Yeah, that doesn't mortgage their from their strength. Um, honestly, guys like Norman Powell, DeLon Wright, I'm happy to give those guys away in future mm-hmm. draft picks. But yeah. other than that, nothing else. I mm-hmm. wouldn't touch anything else on your team. I can, yeah, I can get with that. Like, uh, I don't think Dylan Wright really. I don't see a future fit for a guy like Dylan Wright. And I and even Norman Powell, I know he's a he's a big fan favorite, but the one thing with with Norman Powell is that he has a contract for the next. I think he's contracted for the next like three years, and it's not an expensive contract. But I just don't think Norman Powell is the type of players that's going to help your team in the current NBA. What do you think, Ogie? Yeah, I mean, I agree. If we're looking at pieces that the Raptors could give away without mortgaging their future, I think yeah, Norman Powell is at the top of that list. Um, Salon Wright is up there too. I, I, personally, I'm not as big on OG as a lot of other Raptors fans and NBA fans are. Uh, you know, obviously he's, he's super athletic. He's he's a good defender, but I, I just don't know if he'll ever be a reliable shooter. And if you could if you could trade or if you could include OG, because of course you know if you, you want a decent player, you will need to give something up. So if you could include OG to get a very reliable, not a Bradley Beal, but again, maybe a Tim Hardaway, maybe somebody a little bit better than that, then he is somebody that I would consider including. Consider. Yeah, and I know a lot of fans, I don't know about the organization, but I know fans are very hesitant to give up any more first-round picks or give up guys like OG Ananobi because they think about the future. But here's the thing. How many? How often does a LeBron James say, "Yeah, I want to come to Toronto," right? Like, if you look at the history of the NBA, there's been about thirteen or fourteen teams to have ever won the NBA championship. So what, my point is that it's really difficult to win an NBA championship or a championship in any sport. So right now, the the Raptors haven't ever had a window to win like they have right now. This like this is the best team that they've ever had. This is their best chance to win. Kawhi Leonard is their best player. And, I I mean, is he going to still be there next year? Nobody knows. Kyle Lowry is going to take another step back next year. So right now, this year, this is their window of opportunity. So in my mind, like, do I really care about the 2022 first-round pick that they own? No, right? Because I understand how difficult it is to win an NBA. So when you have that opportunity right now, like there, you're not gonna have a generational talent like Kawhi Leonard just jump onto your team every, every single year. So, 
I mean, if the Raptors have a chance to make a splash the trade deadline, and that's coming up in the next in like two and a half weeks, I say they should go for it. Like if you have, if you have to give up OG Ananobi, like you kind of have to do it. If you have to give up a couple first round draft picks, you can you kind of have to do it because. Like you can't just keep thinking about the future and potential. Like you got to start thinking about now because say you have a good player and I mean, Kyle Lowry is, he's going to be a free agent next year, right? Am I correct? Okay. And Serge Ibaka, what's, what's his contract like? I think he, same thing. Yeah. So here's the thing, like one year contracts, like expiring contracts are very, very valuable right? Because you get a good player and you don't have to be financially committed to him. So say the Raptors make a, oh, so both, I think both of them are done after the 2019, 2020 season. So next year's they're expiring. They're, they're last year, they're, they're walk year. So, um, oh, my train of thought. Uh, so yeah, that's on, that's on (laughs) you, dude, but, but there we go. But here, oh, came back to me, but and it's gone. But anyways, let, let me just try to process real quick. If the Raptors have to make a splash right now, they have to do it. And if it doesn't work out and Kawhi Le- Leonard leaves the, the, the following year, like Kyle Lowry is still a ser- serviceable player next year. So is Serge Ibaka. You can get future assets back next year by trading players. You know? So even if you have to more, you have to give away draft picks now, or give away guys like Dylan Ray or OG Ananobi now, you can always get those players back, right? And even if you have, you go f- through like one or two years of just like really really horrible stuff, like you kind of have to take it. You still have Pascal Siakam. That's an immovable piece in my mind because, yeah, like, you. there we go. I honestly like I've been on the Pascal Siakam bandwagon. Like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin can like like. Here's the thing. When we when we work out together, I just talk about uh, Pascal Siakam. Like yeah, Kevin needs biggest a, man crush on Pascal yeah. Siakam, and it's not it's not funny about him. Like Kevin Crazy. needs a spot, and I'm like, dude, have you seen Kev, uh, Pascal Siakam play the other yeah. night? <laughs> like I've been on this guy's bandwagon since he since he got drafted. Uh, it's it's hard not to be, especially when you I mean sort of dig deep and look into his story. I mean, he didn't start playing basketball until pretty late. I mean, it's like 16, 18, right? He wasn't heavily recruited going into college went to New Mexico State. Nobody really knew about him. Same thing. You know, in the NBA, he's a late first-round pick. He's, and, and so to see him have success is not only a credit to, you know, Masai for, you know, finding him down there and pinpointing, pinpointing him, but it's also a credit to Pascal, right? And, and every, his devotion and, and coming, seemingly coming out of nowhere to being a fringe all-star, you know, it, it's incredible. Now, one sec. I'm going to let Kevin take over in a second so he can yell at me. But Oh, no. Um, hot take. <laughs> when I looked at Pascal Siakam a couple years ago when he got drafted, lanky, raw, super athletic, high motor, it kind of reminded me oh, to, no. to a lesser extent of a guy like Janis Antetokounmpo. Oh. I'm not saying he's going to be like Janis because Janis is insanely good at sports, and I'm sure his, his mother's very proud of him. But, like, look at – Look at what uh, Pascal Siakam's been able to do every single year. You know, right now he's shooting like fifty-seven percent from the field. He runs the floor like none other. He's six ten, lanky, athletic. He can defend multiple positions. He's a playmaker as well. Like how many? Like he is raw. He's a really good playmaker. He is very raw, but has the natural instinct of a guy and the maturity of on the court of a guy who has been playing basketball since he was ten years old. 
Like, Ogie, would you agree with me right now? Like, I might be a little crazy, but like, there's something there. No, I mean, look, if you compare him to Giannis, right, the profile is there. Giannis wasn't that great when he came into the league. And it wasn't until really last year where he, you know, took that next step and became an all-star. And then Pascal is progressing quickly. You know, he's taking a big leap this year. So it wouldn't surprise me for him to be a 20-point-a-game scorer in the future. And, and, and it's not even all about scoring. He is a glue guy. This guy chases down loose balls. He runs the floor. He defends most. He could defend one through, maybe not five, but definitely one through four. He's very valuable. He is, I don't know if he's a Giannis, but he is, I, you know, he's, he's a 20-point-a-game scorer, maybe even an all-star in this league. Okay, let's just get a Chicago Bulls opinion so he can just bring us All right. back down. No, no, no. I'm going to set something straight. I don't I don't hate Pascal Siakam now. Nobody does. I, I think he's an amazing player. I wish he was on my team 100%. I'm jealous of you guys. Not disagreeing with you at all. But when I first saw him initially, yeah, speaking about him starting to play basketball at a later stage of his life or him being picked late, uh, much later on in the draft, mm-hmm. I mean – as a just a, n- a normal person, I'm like I, I don't want that guy on my team just because of the fact all those accumulated together. I mm-hmm. d- I didn't expect this from him. Mm-hmm. It's your development at your team. I mean, he's athletic. He's just naturally so athletic, mm-hmm. and he just picked up the game over time. I am impressed with Pascal mm-hmm. and and but, you guys. But do, do you see the Janus comp? No, I don't. No, but here's the thing. I see the frame absolutely, but, but it here's... takes a lot to be Janus. No, but to a lesser extent because. Yeah, I think <laughs> no, that's I'm I'm cool with a four man's Janis. Like I'm 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 cool with a Janis out of the Cooper light version on my team. <laughs> yeah. a, a team that also has Kawhi Leonard. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but look at Janis. You you got drafted in I think 15th overall, 16th overall about five years ago. First year he was averaging like six points, seven points a game. He was really lanky, really athletic. But he didn't have a lot of muscle, and obviously he had to mature. He was, what, 18, 19 years old when he was selected? He didn't even know how to play yeah, basketball. That, that's, that's, I think, the one difference, right? Giannis was extremely young, and obviously still is when he came into the league. Uh, whereas Pascal, you know, he did have four years in college, so he is, you know, a bit more mature and a bit older. So I don't think his ceiling is quite there yet, um, but there, there's room to grow, man. There's no doubt about that. Wait, did you just say Pascal had four years in college? I think so. I'm not, I, I believe, I think he might have three or four, I believe. So let's see. He went to New Mexico State between New Mexico two, State Aggies, 20, yeah. Yeah, 20, between 2014 and 2016. So um, he, bypa- he bypassed his final two years of college eligibility. There we go. Thanks, Wikipedia. Wikipedia is just getting That's me through life right now. Yeah. Shout out to Wikipedia. Um, I can't wait till the day till we get to source Wikipedia essays and <laughs> hand it into our professors and be like, here, dude. Um, but yeah, Janice was, yeah, here, 6'9", 190 pounds when he got drafted in 2013. Like now he, he got way strong. He got ribbed. Now he's 6'11", 222. That's I'm, hard work. That, that that's hard work, hard but work. but it's also like insane genetics. Oh, for sure. I, I, but like both <laughs> of them were later picks. Both of them like they like they they could be like a it's a high risk high reward pick. Sure. And I think the Raptors have been known to do that later in the first round because Bruno Caboclo was kind of the same thing. No, and you're laughing, but Bruno Caboclo was. No day contract right now. No, but I understand <laughs> that. But Bruno Caboclo was literally a, like he could have been really, really good. Yeah. 
or he could just nothing could have happened and obviously nothing happened same argument behind ed davis yeah as well. yeah and it seems like that's the raptors draft philosophy yeah. and every single team has one lanky athletic but guy. and they 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 struggle with a guy like pascal siakam sure. and i think pascal siakam's just going to keep getting better like you can tell that there's a the three-point shot is there like it's going to keep improving like the passing ability is there mm-hmm. and he had that he's always had that monstrous athletic ability that like it just helps him out in every aspect of his game. Like, I'm I'm getting so turned on talking about yeah, Pascal I'm Siakam right to now. Be in the same room as you right now. Yeah. So here's the thing, Kevin. You got to get a new a mic. Yeah, like, I got very leave. very quickly because room. if we keep talking about Pascal Siakam every single episode, like it's things are going to start getting really really bad in here. But um, let's kind of segue because I, I believe either Ogi or, or uh, Kevin mentioned uh, Mike Conley. So what is happening in Memphis right now, guys? Did like, you see the uh, interview uh, after both the players heard about the trade rumors? No. Oh, Marcus looked like a heartbroken kid. Because this guy, he went to high school in Memphis, right? Memphis, really? Yeah, Memphis is his town. He loved that city. Uh, he still, even at the interview, he was like, um, I mean, my uh, relationship with the Grizzlies mm-hmm. might change, yeah. but my relationship with Memphis will never change. Mm-hmm. Even if he leaves, he still wants to be right. a Memphis guy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he doesn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. Even I uh, talked about how Mike Conley, he's having an amazing year. Yeah. This is one of the years where he's been fully healthy throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? God, God forbid nothing happens. Yeah. Um, he, he's had an amazing year so far. I mean, Marcus always like, yeah, he's having a great year. There's no reason to see him get, uh, be traded. But uh, yeah, but here's, here's the thing. What are the, like, what are the Grizzlies trying to do right now? Well, They're for- the total. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I I realize, but they're 14th in the West. They yeah. started off hot and then came back to earth. Like Marcus Gasol is getting older. Yeah. Mike Conley's getting older. Like let's 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 uh, jump over to Ogie. Like, what do you think is the plan here in um in in Memphis? Well, I mean, it's 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 crystal clear to me. I like you said, they're 14th in the West. They're 19 and 29, seven games out of the the eighth spot. And you know, realistically, I I don't see them having shot at all uh and you know they're they're faced it's, it's not even it's not even their record in the standings there's a bigger problem here their roster is a, is a disaster i mean chandler parsons sucked that franchise i mean he took i don't remember exactly what his you know his uh what he was paid every year but it, it was a lot and because of that obviously they didn't, they didn't get anything out of him they couldn't really sign anybody else you add a 31 year old gasol to that Sorry, 34-year-old Gasol to that, a 31-year-old Conley. And this team hasn't really been able to maneuver. So, you know, the way that their uh, roster is constructed and then the salaries, that's an issue. Their style of play is an issue. It seems like seems like it's almost extinct in today's NBA. They play slow, right? The, the grit and grind, Grizzlies, uh, not too many shooters. So that, that's an issue as well. I mean, it, it, look, the one place that you don't want to be in the NBA is in the middle, right? It's no man's land because there's, you're not really making the playoffs. And if you do, you're knocked out in the first round. You're not at the bottom. So you're not selecting high level uh, lottery picks. And, and I will say, look, it's Memphis, right? It's a smaller market. They don't attract the free agents. So this is, you know, this sort of sustainable success is sort of the blueprint for how to do it. But I think they've just reached the stage now. And remember, Conley and Gasol have been there for 10 years, right? They've had tremendous amount of success. But it's it's time to move on. It really is because this franchise, franchise, the way that it's constructed now, I mean, it, it, it's it's not they're not going anywhere. The ceiling is far lower than that of the other Western Conference teams. 
they have Jaron Jackson. I mean, he's been good. He's been quite good. Um, they have Dylan Brooks, who's out for the year, but he had a promising season last year. So they do have some young pieces. But if you could trade Gasol, and especially Conley, because I think they could get quite a bit. There's a lot of teams right now, from the Orlando Magic to the Utah Jazz, that, that are in desperate need of a point guard and that are, you know, contending teams. If you could trade Conley and pick up some, you know, nice pieces, like maybe maybe Jonathan Isaac, you know, or maybe a Otto Porter, uh, you know, if you could trade these guys and sort of get a rebuild going, maybe even not players, just get draft picks back and salary cap relief, I think that's, that's what this franchise needs to do. You know, you've got to look yourself in the mirror. You've got to acknowledge that it's been a good run. It really has. Um, but with the way this roster is constructed, it's sort of time to turn the page and look mm-hmm. towards the future. Yeah, and like here's here's the thing. Like you mentioned the grit and grind era. That's been over for about four or five years. Like that's been that's not been a thing since like half a decade ago, you know? And everybody knew it. And I'm pretty certain that the Memphis Grizzlies understood that five years ago as well. But here's the thing. You mentioned they're a small market team. And that's where they're just in such a tough position because like if you're the Lakers, yeah, you can get rid of these guys right when that era, the grit and grind era is over because you're going to attract more free agents. There's more money coming in and it's easy, right? But when you're the Memphis Grizzlies, like you get rid, you can't get rid of these stars like that. Like you're not competing for a while if you get rid of that. So it's, 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 it's really difficult. And that's like, for example, I'm like, I'm just going to use baseball as an example. You look at a team like the New York Mets, and they just made like a bunch of different trades right now for a bunch of old guys like Robinson Cano is like 34 and 30 or whatever. And a lot of guys are like, what, what the hell are they doing? Like they just mortgaged like a bunch of their like top prospects for these guys. Well, yeah, because they're the New York Mets. They're not the Yankees. Like they're trying to win right now. And chances are they're not getting like a Cy Young winner like Jacob deGrom anytime soon. They're not getting another Noah Syndergaard anytime soon. Like this is their time to win because they, they, they just don't same thing with the Grizzlies like they're in a hole and they compl- like the guys who run this organization they definitely understand it but like what do you do you're a small market team well, yeah let, I mean look I understand the comparison but the Grom and Syndergaard are two of the best you know starting pitchers in in Major League Baseball right there you could build a team around them because Paul is 34 right Conley Conley is 31 I mean, there there just isn't much there. Yeah, you know, you are a small market franchise, and a rebuild will be long and painful. Um, but you have Jaron Jackson, you have Dylan Brooks. If you get a top five pick this year and next year, it, they really may not be too far away from being a good, you know, being a let's say a playoff team in the next in the next five years, right? If if Conley was, you know, in his and remember Conley's been very dealing with injuries for a long time, right? He's he's unreliable from that point of view as well. It's time for them to move on. It really is. There, there just isn't much on that roster anymore. They need to, they need to rebuild. It's, it's an I hundred percent agree with you. They should rebuild, but playoff picture once they start rebuilding is not within the next few years. Yeah, it's going to be five, six, maybe even yeah. ten years because West is insane, and especially with the talent right now, they're all trying to go towards the West for some reason. Mm-hmm. So it's so concentrated there that you can't really get into the playoffs right now. Even some of the worst teams that. Um, uh, you, you look at like the twelfth position or, or like the eighth or ninth position over there. Like they're still good. They're good. 
they're really good. And they, they would be one of the top tier teams. Mm-hmm. So rebuilding, you have to forget about playoffs for a little while. Yeah. If that's the case. Well, they it seems like they already have. And, yeah. and I mean, <laughs> yeah, a, a, so team, a team that's yeah. like, hey, we got Jaron Jackson and Dylan Brooks. Yeah, oh, it's going to take a while. Marshawn Brooks, though. Marshawn Brooks isn't there. I anymore. know, I know, but that's a true legend. Oh, there <laughs> that's we a go. true Memphis legend this year. <laughs> um, but now here's here's the thing. You mentioned their age. They're 34 and 31. Mike Conley has an injury history, and Mike Conley also has a massive contract. He's a, like both both of these guys have big contracts with term, and they're, they're like right now they're on the decline. So that's the thing. That's that's what makes this even tougher for a team like Memphis when it comes to rebuilding. And every like we can agree that every rebuilding team wants three things: that's cap relief, it's young players, and it's draft picks. And ideally, you get all three in one in one trade. But you look at Mike Conley; like we're opening up his contract right now. This dude's making thirty four million in twenty 2020, twenty 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 one. Kevin, can you just please open up Mar- Marcus Gasol's contract real quick? No, but realistically, to take a contract like that, you have to give up something big as well. Yeah. So, what kind of trade can you really make over there? I mean, if you look at uh, my ideal situation, was directly with the Raptors itself. No, but I, but here's here's the thing: like Marcus is going to be an expiring contract next year, but he's going to be making twenty six million next year. So, like, am I taking a thirty four year old dude right now? Because, but here's the thing: if you're taking a guy who's who has one more year left after this, like realistically, it's going to be a team that wants to win right now. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a team that's desperate. I've heard rumors that the Lakers may be interested in Gasol. Uh, JaVale McGee and Tyson Chandler just aren't cutting it. I've heard the Lakers may be interested. Um, I, I've even heard that Milwaukee, because Lopez has a pretty big club. They may even look into you know packaging something to get Gasol. So I think there is interest. Making a deal wouldn't be straightforward, but look, yeah, Gasol is before the contract is big, but if, if you're a team that's sort of, you know, looking to take that next step, I think he could, well, not I think, he definitely could be, Yeah, could be a big upgrade. Yeah, but like, here's the thing as well, like, you need your, when you make a trade for a guy that makes 25, 26 million a year, like, the the salary has to kind of add up, right? Because of the luxury tax. So, like, it's not, it's not, it's not like you're going to give your crap away, get a $26 million player, like that's not how it's going to work. Like the salaries have to match up as well to to an extent. No, but right? to a certain extent, I'm going to disagree. Just because I I, I totally agree with Ogiri here. Just because if it is a championship contending team, you bring in players like this. Luxury t- tax doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to pay that if you're if you have a shot at, at getting to the final. Just getting to the finals. Forget about actually winning it, but just getting to the finals itself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay. Milwaukee would be a good position for. Uh, I think Mike Conley. Mike Conley? No. I think Mike Conley would be a good fit in Milwaukee. I've but, heard that trade rumor, Bledsoe for Conley type yeah, thing. But here's the thing. Why would, if I'm Memphis, why, I don't want Bledsoe. Like, no, no. Like, <laughs> Not at all. You don't yeah. just get directly like, Bledsoe. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> no, completely agree. But, like, I'm, I'm, I'm Memphis. Mm-hmm. Like, for, first of all, okay, the Lakers. If I'm Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka, what am I giving up for – Let's say, Ogie, who do you think the Lakers want more right now? Mike Conley or um, 
Honestly, I'll, I think they would want um, Marcus Saw more because Mike Conley is do, is supposed to be getting a ton of money over the next two three years, yeah. and the Lakers need that long term flexibility to bring in guys like uh, Kevin Durant and Clay Anthony Thompson Davis. and Anthony yeah. Davis, and like I'm I'm going to be a free agent soon as well. <laughs> so, like, let's okay, let's say Marcus Saw, right? What what do, what what does Memphis ask for in a trade? Well. Memphis asked for everything. Maybe Brandon Ingram, maybe Josh Hart. I don't think they get it. First of all, the contracts don't match up. I think, and I'm not sure what Caldwell's contract looks like. If it expires next year, then then he may be an option. Um, because I know the Lakers have have looked into you know including him in packages. They are willing to get rid of him. Not a, he's not a player with a great amount of upside, but for the sake of contract matching, and if his deal is up next year, I think the Lakers would look to include him in a deal and maybe, you know, I, somebody at the end of their bench, you know, yeah, a young player or maybe even a second round draft pick. Look, Gasol, Gasol's old, his contract's big, his value isn't, his value isn't huge. So it wouldn't take a whole lot for the Lakers. Like a Caldwell Pope and a Wagner or a second round pick, I think would maybe be enough to get, to get full. Right. Like here's, here's the thing with Mark Gasol, he just has one more year left after this. Mike Conley has a few. I can if I'm if I'm Memphis and I'm trying to trade with the Lakers, I wouldn't mind having Caldwell Pope in the trade because that Caldwell Pope is an expiring contract and he's off the books after this year and they have cap space, right? I'm not giving up Brandon Ingram if I'm the Lakers for Mike Conley. I'm Lonzo Ball. Like, how much value does Lonzo Ball actually have right now? Right? Is like. Is Josh Hart really a guy that you can build around? Is that a young pe- like you know? Like, do you want? I'm guessing draft picks as well. That's the Lakers will probably be willing to give that away. But I mean, what do you think, Kevin? See, the thing with expiring contracts, I don't I mean it. It is it is big, but when it comes to small markets like Memphis, it's maybe not as useful as a uh, Lakers would have, mm-hmm. just because no, you can't really appeal to a free agent you mm-hmm. can offer him a lot of money but just the fact that what what market you're in might not be appealing to that that set free agent mm-hmm. i totally agree get some draft picks yeah. uh, do, uh do they have any draft picks from trades i have i have honestly no idea but even if they uh, straight up first or second round picks just send that over mm-hmm. and even Hart, hart's a good player people sleep mm-hmm. on josh hart magic johnson has no he's a good player oh, he's really but good. i also the thing is like my, like I said, Mike Conley's 31. Yeah. He still has like three years left. He's going to be getting paid $30 million up until 34, and he's already had a like, pretty bad injury history. Like, am I really tr- going to commit to that right now? Because like that uh, that contract looks ugly. Yeah. <laughs> like that, <laughs> yeah, that's the type of contract that can like literally ruin a contending team. Yeah. Right? So like – I found the Lakers. I'm staying away from Mike Conley. That's a massive contract that I don't want any part of. So, no, like, and especially especially when you're planning to add Anthony Davis next summer or Kevin Durant, if you are, that you know they can't afford Conley. They're looking at the big picture. They want a Davis. They want a Kawhi if he's interested. They want a Durant. They want a Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. And like, here's the thing. What I found interesting about the Lakers' past off season is. They were signing a lot of guys who just didn't really look like they fit well with LeBron because they're not shooters. But almost everyone was a one-year contract, like expiring contract, to have that sort of flexibility for 2019 and onwards. So 
using that logic, why would they go out and get Mike Conley where when literally their past offseason was all about creating that flexibility for guys like Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Anthony Davis? If if they get they go out and get a guy like Mike Conley right now, their the big picture plan is ruined. Right? Like the Lakers understood building this current roster, they're not gonna win this year. LeBron's gonna take them to the playoffs, but like Rajon Rondo. Caldwell Pope, Lance Stevenson, you're not winning anything, right? Like, and and you shouldn't, like, I, I saw the plan. That's what I thought was the plan, and I like it because now you have LeBron. He's he's there long-term. You have a bunch of young guys who aren't making a lot of money, and then these older older guys come off the books next year. Now you have money to, like, get these big-name big, big name free agents. So, like, I don't see the Lakers as a fit. I don't see Boston as a fit, realistically. So, I mean, what does that leave? Conley, I'd love Conley to go to Orlando. Orlando would be a great destination for him. See, I don't, I, don't mind, I don't mind Orlando. But then again, like, Orlando, what's the plan? Well, I mean, or, Orlando wants to make the playoffs, right? They haven't made the playoffs in a long time. They're, they're right on the cusp there. They're currently in 11th. DJ August, they, I mean, they haven't had a good point guard in years, right? DJ Augustine has been running – running ship there. So they, they desperately need a point. The, the team that I think that Conley, I mean, I, I, the Utah jazz, because rookie Rubio has been injured frequently. Dante Exum is injured. The jazz are also sort of looking to take that next step. And, and, you know, they're in win now mode, so they could, they could afford Conley and they're a small market team as well. That's the team that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. I, I like the Utah jazz. Um, honestly, I, I, I'm not mad about the Orlando magic pick as well, because Right, what they have right now is a bunch of young players. Uh, what's Vucevic's contract like right now? Uh, because he's expiring I, this year, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent after this year, is he not? So, okay. So, say you package a deal, you, you put together a deal that's based around uh, Nikola Vucevic, uh, uh, Vucevic and Mike Conley. If let's see here, uh, come on, basketball reference. Yeah, expiring yeah. contract. So the Memphis Grizzlies right away they get cap flexibility. Maybe you can add a draft pick in there. And meanwhile, the Orlando Magic get their veteran steady point guard to put around like their young players. Like Jonathan, like you look Jonathan at Isaac's nice. Yeah, I, I, I completely good. agree. Evan Fournier is nice. Evan, Mo, Mo Bamba, Bamba. He's developing. Mo Bamba is a great song. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, so yeah, too. I mean, when I go when I go to a club with all my white friends, they love that stuff. <laughs> uh, but like, but like. Honestly, I like the fit because they're a young team with a lot of potential, but they're missing that veteran presence and a good point guard that can just take them to the playoffs, right? And then obviously you just hope that these young guys develop, right? Like what are you – at this point, if you're Orlando, like what are you doing at this point? Like you have to start making the playoffs. I I like that. And in terms of Utah, I I like it as well. Like they – um, rookie Ricky Rubio is nice. He's had some injury problems, but I think Mike Conley does a good job at helping this team out. And yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, why are we, we've given the Memphis Grizzlies so much attention right now. They do not deserve. Thank you, Memphis. Yeah. They're so irrelevant. They were relevant for a short period of time. Yeah. But yeah, half a decade ago. No, no, no. Like the season itself, they were in the top of the top of the league for Jesus a little while. Christ. Yeah. Like, like, let's be honest. Memphis is screwed right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
Yeah. Magic lasted for a short period of time. Jack yeah. Jackson had some shining moments. But, mm-hmm. but since we're talking about Conley and Gasol and some star power, um, the All-Star game is next month. Um, I think, pa- by the way, quick plug, Pascal yeah. Siakam should be an All-Star. I don't care if you guys disagree. He's, an, disagree. he's an All-Star. Well, let, let me let me ask you this. Is he, an, is he an All-Star over Lowry or are both of them All-Stars? Um, over Lowry. I think Lowry's going to get in on, on just, um, just clout alone Yeah. because like he's had a rough year. He's been injured. I mean, (laughs) half his body's broken right now, back injury, hip injury. Like realistically, I would love it if Kyle Lowry sits out and just takes a week off, but like I'm looking at, well, not currently, but looking at the advanced, like just advanced statistics, like. Pascal Siakam's top 20 in wind share. Pascal Siakam is top 20 in uh, VORP, uh, value over a, replace, a replacement re- player, right? Like, uh, the, I don't, here's the thing, and uh, uh, we're going to get, I'm going to rant about this in future episodes, but I just find like stats like points per game so stupid and useless because, oh. like, because look, look, you look oh, at, uh, here's, here's, yes. the th- here's the thing. You look at Russell Westbrook, and chances are he's going to make the All Star team because he's averaging a triple double, but he's also shooting like 20% from the field, right? Oh, but he's been, he's been awful. He's been horrible. <laughs> like, he's not, he hasn't been good. Paul George has been playing like an MVP can- candidate. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Did, you guys, did you guys see what Nurkic called him? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, uh, what's Westbrook. Westbrook? You know, Westbrook. That's the Westbrook. thing. I think that's like, perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's horrible. And you know what? He's probably gonna make the playoff, uh, the All Star game. He definitely will. And but like, he's taking thirty shots per game, and he's averaging twenty points a game. Yeah. Pascal Siakam is taking what ten shots a game, and he's averaging fifteen on fifty-seven percent shooting. Like here's the thing, give him like five more shots. He's gonna be averaging twenty points per game. But I'm sorry, you have Kawhi Leonard there, you have Kyle Lowry there, you have Serge Ibaka there, you have you have Patrick McCaw there now. You know, like that was yeah. I'm, Patrick I'm, McCaw. He's got a ring, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, so that's big. I remember on uh Raptor <laughs> I remember on Raptor Twitter about a week ago where guys are like, yo, Patrick McCaw's gonna take us over the edge, man. He has a championship blood in him. He's oh got a God. ring, so he's gonna bring that experience over. There we go. Over the yeah, home. this is it. But, yeah, and but here's the thing: I'm not saying that I want Pascal Siakam to take more shots. I think his role with the team is perfect right now. But like this, this dude's an all star, and and in the East, like the East sucks, right? And like, uh, look, uh, another spot, another spot just opened up. Right, Oladipo's out. He was he was definitely gonna be an all star. He was maybe gonna be a start a starter. And and to maybe to to springboard off of that and to build Siakam's case, look, it's it's easy to score and put up numbers when you're playing for a bad team. But look, Zach Levine is putting up career numbers because marketing. And here's a Chicago reference for you, uh, for you. Uh, Levine's been putting up big numbers because a marketing was out the whole year, and and b there just isn't you know there isn't much there. Uh, Vucevic, to, to some extent, the same, right? There there aren't a whole lot of options in that Magic offense, so his numbers are a little bit inflated. But And, and look, there's there's every year there's that debate, right? Are we going numbers or are we going by win-loss record? I'm on the latter. If you're, if you're leading your team to one of the best records in the NBA, you, you deserve to be an all-star. The Raptors deserve at least two all-stars. The Milwaukee Bucks deserve at least two all-stars. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. I I, that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on D'Angelo Russell? Oh, God. I mean, they're, we thought they were going to be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Uh, somehow, they're actually in playoff contention right now. Yeah. Okay. And he's putting up numbers. Um, just he's a quick – Okay, I, I, I think Thank he's you. yeah, I think he's an all star too now. But here's the thing: here's a quick story for uh, for Yogi and and our millions of fans and listeners around the world. <laughs> uh, Kevin and I were at the gym um, about three months ago, yeah. four months ago. Yeah. The season barely started. Uh, we're, in, we're we're in towels. We're about to take a shower. We just lift. We just lifted, and Kevin's <laughs> like, "I'm gonna bet you a hundred dollars that D'Angelo Russell is gonna be an all star this year." Mm, you could have got good odds on that, man. Holy yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, dude, you, you should have been going to Vegas. You should have been like wrapped up in a towel right? in the middle of yeah, a good life. Like, what bad. are you doing? What are you doing with your life? <laughs> dude, I, I mean, the East is weak. I like D'Angelo Russell's been playing really, really well. He's putting up numbers. Like, I look numbers. at I, I look at his shooting percentage. He's shooting like 43 percent from the field, which is not great. But I mean, he's a volume. He's a volume shooter. Yeah. Like, but no, lately he's for the past few yeah. games, it's been about 50% yeah. from three that he's been shooting. It's like seven for 14 or mm-hmm. like five for 10. Yeah, it's volume, but with yeah. consistency. And 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 Brooklyn's winning. I mean, yeah, I, I'd give him the nod. Like, I'm looking at the East right now, and like, there's uh, like, once we look past, say, like what Boston has and Kyrie, what um, Milwaukee has in, um, in Middleton and Janice and the Raptors with Pascal, maybe even Lowry and Leonard, and then obviously Philly with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and I don't know maybe Jimmy Butler, maybe Jimmy uh, G buckets. Come on, oh, Kemba, Kemba. Remember Kemba and Blake Griffin. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I was getting there. Yeah, there, Kemba, sure. and I would give a guy like Blake Griffin the nod as well, and Bradley Beal. But I mean, after that, like you're you're going to be picking guys that I mean. They're slightly above average. Like I'm looking at a guy like D'Angelo Russell. He's a slightly above average player to me, and he's just he's going to make the All Star team simply because there's just not a lot of talent in in the Eastern Conference right now. That's crazy. I mean, think about where he was, you know, last year. I think at one point he he even got demoted to the bench. There was that whole incident in the locker room. Like he. And look, I mean, if you would have, first of all, if you would have told me that the Brooklyn Nets would be 25 or 26 and 23 right now, sixth place in the East, I'd tell you you're crazy. I'd tell you that you need to, you know, look into the NBA a bit more in the East. I'd tell you you're crazy. And then if you were to tell me on top of that, that D'Angelo Russell would be putting up numbers like this, it's, it's incredible. It's, I think it's, it's probably the biggest surprise. The Brooklyn Nets are the biggest surprise of the year so far. And, you know, kudos to them because um, without going on in a tangent, right, when Sean Marks, the current GM came into that organization. I mean, it was a mess. They were still suffering from that uh, Boston Celtics trade. They had no draft picks. They had, they had nothing. I mean, look, Spencer Dinwiddie was, was I think, a late second round or an undrafted pick that they just picked up. Uh, same thing with Levert. So that you know, the fact that they've managed to get to where they are uh, right now in, in only two years and with next to no resources is yeah. is remarkable. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Like. Right now, just just to touch on Brooklyn Nets, we're just talking about some interesting teams today. <laughs> Somebody uh, has to talk about them. There we go. Yeah, we're give, yeah we're the <laughs> we're the voice of the voiceless today. Um, but like, you look at executive of the year, like Masai Jerry might get yeah. get the nod because of what he did with getting Kawhi and and Danny Green. But like, 
they had resources and they they made a trade that works. You look at a team like the Nets, mm-hmm. they had like you said, they have nothing. And, like, and and when I say nothing, I mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like they <laughs> they might have been in the worst situation yeah. any sports ever. Yeah. And I think Karis Levert yeah. is yeah. I think Karis Levert is a really great player. I was really excited to see him this year. But obviously got hurt, and I think he's still. He, I think he's going to be coming back sometime this this he'll, season. He'll be, yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back. I think yeah. in a month or so, and you yeah, know, that that could be a huge addition. They're sick yeah. right now, and with mm-hmm. Oladipo injured, I mean, would you guys be surprised if the Nets, the Nets maybe got closer to the Pacers? Yeah, no, I, I maybe, but no, I can see that. I can For completely sure. see that. Now uh, the Nets uh, just lost Spencer Dinwiddie. He's just had surgery, but I mean Jared Allen, yeah. he's he looks like a good player. Like defensively, he's defensively, he's a, a good, good player. Uh, yeah. He's he's that big man, that like an athletic, lanky big man who can play, who can play defense and protect the rim that teams still kind of need. Yeah, um, Joe Harris. Joe, Joe Harris has been putting up numbers too. Joe Harris oh, has Joe's been playing aside. well. He's actually putting um, up numbers. Joe Harris. Yeah. Joe Harris better be in the three point shootout this year. Yeah. yeah. No, honestly. Um, I mean, Ronda Hollis Jefferson is a nice player. Good like like we mentioned, Karis Avert, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, yeah. they're young. That rookie, the Krooks, Rodion, the Latvian guy, Rodion's Krooks, he's been he's been great. Oh, uh, he's not, been oh yeah, that kid, that been, he's been great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, dude, they they have stuff. They like they have guys coming up, um, and they're young, and they're gonna have a lot of flexibility. Like, there's a lot, like, gonna be a lot of cap space, and they're Brooklyn. Like, that's that's exactly. New York. You exactly. know, that's what I was gonna say. They have that market intrigue. You know, they they have arguably after maybe LA and maybe New York. I mean, they're right there, but Brooklyn is a place that everyone wants to play. Yeah, like put it agree. put it this way: there's a lot of stars in basketball, and and only what two three guys can go to LA and New York. That means teams like Brooklyn are going to come in after, and they're going to get the next ones, right? Someone's going to get Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, right? And after that. There we go. That's when that's when a team like Brooklyn comes in, and like you look at that team, like you have. This is what the Memphis Grizzlies are going to try to become. They're going <laughs> to become try to become young. They're going to try to have a cap relief, and they're going to try to get draft pick. And right right now, what the Nets are doing is that's it. This is this is it. This is their moment to, like, this is when they start building their team now. Like it's incredible they're in a playoff spot right now, and that's a testament to how brutal the Eastern Conference is. But like, I mean, the future is bright in, in Brooklyn, man. Like it's brighter in Brooklyn. And it, and it and so other franchises. I mean, I think I think the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, it, it's a story that should offer hope. You know, you look up and down their squad. I don't think well, D'Angelo Russell they acquired from the Lakers, but aside from him, I'm not sure that there's a lottery pick on that whole roster. Uh, Jared Allen was somewhere in the middle, maybe mid to late first round. But I mean, they have re- they've developed players. You know, they've, they've picked late second-round picks, picked up some free agents here and there, and they've developed them, and they've, they've made it work. So, so other franchises who are on the verge of rebuilding, who are smaller markets, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets show that there really is hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, okay, we got about a minute and a half left of this episode, so let's close this up, uh, wrap this up real quick. So one last question for both of you guys, okay. and I guess, I guess for myself. All right. Name me one all, one guy who you think under the radar guy who deserves to be an all star this year, East or West. Just I don't I don't care why we don't have time for that. Give me a first name and a last name. Ogie, who's your guy? Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. Okay, that's solid. Kevin. Uh, Jamal Murray. 
Ooh. Mm, I like uh, that. Ah, oh, shit. We we have we have a minute left. <laughs> oh, I really want to discuss that. Okay. Uh, Was that a hot take? We're gonna go to the gym and talk. I like about that. It. I like, I really yeah. like that one. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna say Pascal Siakam because I'm just gonna keep writing Pascal Siakam yeah, yeah, until, the day, until he dies. No, he's gonna be an officer. There's no. He's gonna be an officer until the day he dies, man. Well, anyways. That has been our for the first episode of Ball and Roll Pick and Pod. Let's get it, boys. We're going to be back next week. This episode is going to come out next Tuesday. We're excited to keep this going. Later, guys. Take care.